Hey, it's outdoor drive time if you're an outdoors person enjoying the Carolina outdoors. We're glad that you're tuning in if you're listening to us early on a Saturday morning via the airwaves of WBT Radio. A whole bunch of other people are joining in via podcast, highlights of the Carolina outdoors. You can find that in all those places you listen to podcasts as well as at jessebrowns.com. And that's where we hang our hat, your host here, Wes Lawson and Bill Barty and Wes, for those people who are getting up early, of course, we're heading towards rifle season pretty pretty quick. You know, black powder's been going on. The bow hunters have been out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but earlier we were talking about the deer movement yeah. out there. Now, we've yeah. had it pretty mild, and I'm sure they're enjoying being deer out there, looking for food and, and doing that sort of stuff, maybe looking for water because we hadn't had that much rain uh, lately. But what about fall? I guess that's what season we're unofficially yeah, yeah. in actual fall what what were the what were the last three the fake summer so we went through second summer before that was false fall and then before that's hell's front porch which is kind of that <laughs> that really hot part of summer so yeah we're probably in actual fall at this point so a lot of people coming into jesse browns and uh logging in on our facebook page and that sort of thing are talking about the number of deer that they are mm-hmm, seeing mm-hmm. they are moving out young deer as yeah, well yeah um, are out moving about. What's the deal, and does that go hand in hand with the leaf? Yeah, I think change? it does. Yeah, so you know, you mentioned they're looking for food, they're looking for water, they're not looking for you. Mm-hmm. So those early morning outings, especially lately, we've had these really pretty mornings with a little bit of mist and fog out there, um, which makes it harder to see those yeah. creatures moving around. So if you're if you're driving to the trout stream, you're driving up to the mountains or just on an errand, be mindful of what's moving around. Uh, slow down a little bit. But um, they are looking for, they're foraging right now. And you know, they, they browse, so they, they like to eat at what is within their mouth range of the ground to what could be about five, in some cases six feet up if they're on their, their hind legs. Acorns, berries, as it gets colder again, when the frost change, they might start eating clovers and some other weeds, that little bit of bite in the food. They, they seem to go for that. But we do have um, a strong number of late season fawn arrivals. So you'll still see some fawns with spots. Ah. Um, and so if you see that, you know, that mother uh, probably has two and is working pretty hard to get them fed and to keep them safe. So if we can give them a little bit of extra space, that'd be great. Um, if you do run across one that may be injured, make sure you give our Department of Natural Resources a, a call to, to help with that. Um, but, yeah, you're going to see a lot of, of wildlife moving around, and you'll hear them, too. You know, oh, all, yeah. With all the leaves that are on the ground, when it's dry, a couple of squirrels sound like a herd of buffalo. Or right. if you're in South Carolina and you have armadillo you hear them moving through that sounds just like a herd is coming through there they are so noisy for being so small um, and then late late morning movements of more nocturnal animals like raccoons they're still moving around everybody's out right now trying to to fatten up for the winter bears especially are doing that um, in the areas that have feral hogs or a wild hog population, that's also now is it's it is game time in every sense of the phrase. You know what we call armadillos? Possum on the half shell. It really is. Uh, and some other time we'll talk about my my uh, possum on the half shell story. But uh, they're, they're the, out there. In the meantime, we need to stick with the program, the Carolina Outdoors. 
Wes Lawson, Bill Barty, and part of the program is getting outside for a fishing trip. And mm-hmm. uh, if you missed our earlier segment, we were talking a bit about the coastal fishing, and it's been uh, superb. And, and we have proof in uh, Jesse Brown's Instagram. We have it on our Facebook page. We invite you to check all of that out at Jesse Brown's CLT. But Wes, you mm-hmm. um, are heading out there in pursuit of the false albacore. Yep. For everybody listening out there, of course, we celebrate conventional tackle. It's a great opportunity to catch multiple, I mean, no pressure, Wes, but dozens of fish possibly. But for fly rodders, and these are people taking primarily 10-weight fly rods out Mm -hmm. there, uh, with these uh, false albacore pushing bait coming closer to the surface, it's a fantastic opportunity to cast a fly rod, 10-weight fly rod out there, and have a fantastic fish fight. I think all of that is in store for the Lawson family. But um, how are you preparing for this trip? And um, do you have any insight for our listeners who may want to uh, copy you and do the same sort of trip? I'm preparing for this trip, Bill. This is an annual boys trip, my brother and son and I. And, and the preparation is is coffee, Pop-Tarts, <laughs> and probably light beer. The rest is going to be um, it's gonna be a mix of conventional tackle and fly. Uh, because not everybody in the boat wants to fly fish, but sometimes uh, the conditions are so windy that casting a fly rod can be really rough. Right. So, you know, we're going to maximize our opportunity. I am agnostic on which form of fishing is better. I like both of them. I think they make you a better angler uh, and a happier outdoors person. So on the fly rod, it's going to be reasonably large, but not huge common flies like deceivers, lefties deceiver in white or pink, um, large, large shrimp patterns. Um, and then on the conventional side, the, the fly that works or the lure that works the best is a fly that's called an Albi snack. And it looks like a large pink or white or green magic marker. And the reason it works is it looks just like bait fish moving around because these are not picky fish. You, you go after them typically as they are running through a school of bait fish of you know, Menhaden or Bunker, things like that. So they're just looking for something to bite onto. Um, You're casting into a confusion of exploding water. You're probably going to catch something, and you're going to be into your backing, which on a fly rod is after, you know, 100 feet of of line. Right. You know, so, I mean, it's going to be quick. And then I think on my setup I'll have (laughs) 225 yards of backing, and I have almost gotten to the arbor knot a couple times because those fish, they will just go, and they go so fast. You know, 40 miles an hour for a few seconds gets you gets you deep in the line. Um, I'm using a 10-weight rod, uh, but I will probably um, put 11 or 12-weight line on there for two reasons. It's what I have, but it also makes that rod load better, so it will cast easier and cast farther which is a benefit for me if the boat is just outside of where I want to be. Um, but it will help in that wind because there's almost always a sustained wind. There, like in the Cape Lookout area, we prefer to have a wind coming out of the northeast. It's cooler and it's pushing the bait fish in to where we are, which will bring the fish, the, the game fish that we're going after, the false albacore, closer to where we are. We don't typically fish outside of the hook at Cape Lookout because that can just get a little too sporty sometimes, rolling confused seas. Not everybody likes to do that. So we'll probably stay inside the hook a little bit along Shackleford Bank, that area, um, with 
everybody else who's there having a good time. In other scenarios, that could be very chaotic, but that typically is a community of folks who cheer you on and want to know, you know, what you were using, how'd it go, where are you from? It, it's a whole surreal kind of experience. There. Well, just being on Harker's Island is is kind of surreal because it's a quaint uh, coastal town. It's uh, where the Cape Lookout National Seashore Visitor Center yep. is, and also the Core Sound Waterfowl and History Museum is in that town of 1300. I think it's not even a town, unincorporated town. Yep. Um, I've had the opportunity to stay in the, uh, I love it there, the uh, Harker Island Fishing Center. Yep. You can go to, I think it's HarkerMarina.com to check that place out, but it is right there. That's where you that's where you all will we'll be there. Jump on the boat. And this is boat fishing. I mean, you're at a disadvantage if you're, I guess you can uh, fish some places um, from the from the shoreline or whatever, but for the most part, yeah. this is going to be in a boat. If you, if you don't have a boat, you can, um, a ferry service can take you to Shackleford Bank or over to Cape Lookout, and then you're, you'll be, you know, sand-based until they pick you up. Um, and you can catch fish, and you can have a good time, but you will be missing huge swaths of water if you're on people can camp along shackleford bank and you'll you will know from a mile away when one of the wild horses has shown up at their campsite because you'll hear somebody uh with a great surprise shrill of a scream (laughs) come out of their tent because there's a wild horse that has just looked into their tent and it's always kind of hilarious but you can be successful there but you do need a ferry service which is available to drop you off um to be to be a, a they call a sand person catching fish off the, off the, the beach hey the carolinas has a diversity of outdoors that's part of what we get to celebrate it's part of what we're talking about on this edition of the carolina outdoors with Wes lawson and bill barty we hang our hat at jesse brown's outdoors you can check us out online jessebrowns.com as well as tag into other segments of the carolina outdoors highlights of the carolina outdoors it is right there but the diversity of what we have here in the Carolinas, whether it be wildlife viewing mm-hmm, with the mm-hmm. wild yeah. horses, or even catching a ferry is an adventure for a lot of us. But then the uh, pursuit of false albacore, this fall run, is a fantastic time. Can you talk to our listeners a little bit about the difference fishing for that false albacore fish is from the big redfish maybe in Wilmington or even Charleston, mm. those fisheries, because it is different. It even is. the boat, I mean, you go from maybe a center console um, out there for the for these false albacore, moving around, chasing birds, uh, seeing where the activity mm-hmm. is, where maybe a redfish trip is a lot of inshore creekish Typically, sight fishing. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah, so if you're if you're in a skiff, kind of doing that that sight fishing along those creeks and, and small estuaries, kind of bobbing and weaving along marsh grass and oyster beds, you're trying to catch fish typically where one of those creeks is hitting a larger channel of water. Um, that's usually where their bait is, their prey. Which this time of year could be smaller fish, it could be uh, crabs, and a lot of the sp- really small crabs, the size of a quarter or half the size of the palm of your hand at the largest are floating through the water column. So they're going through that. And we're either blind casting there or we're looking for tailing fish. That that spotted tail is up out of the water because it's nose down eating. And we're going to try and bomb a line in there. That's more targeted pursuit. Whereas with false albacore, inside that hook, which is a couple square miles space behind that scenic lighthouse, 
you're basically motoring around looking for this explosion of water of, of bait fish trying to get away and dozens of purple and green and black fish hitting the surface all at once. You know something's happening. Birds are diving in, so everybody's kind of moves that way, and you start lobbing flies or a lure in there and then retrieving like it's your job. You're probably going to catch something, or you just kind of keep doing that. We do occasionally troll through there because why not? If we'll be moving around, we should do that. Um, it's two very different styles. You know, some of the big Charleston fish right now are in those estuaries. Some are in the chipping channels of the harbor, which seems kind of odd for some folks, or in the jetty that goes several miles out, but there's structure there. That's going to be more center console based, but if you're near shore, inshore, you know, 16, 17, 18 foot skiff, probably two or three anglers max to share that space. Um, really making smaller, more more precise presentations. Wow. Both are, are fun. Both are fun. Both are different. Both conventional tackle. Both suit for a fly rod. I guess if you're uh, redfish, inshore redfishing with a fly rod, that'd be more of a maybe a seven weight or eight weight would be uh, perfect for with those false albacore. And when those false albacore hit, that is like a bus. You know it. You know what's I mean, happening. You're you're in a, you're in a, a welterweight fight. It's a lot of fun. But you know, if you have somebody, if you are a fly angler and your other fishing companion is not, that's actually a really good place to be because you both can target fish in unique ways, and you can use your strength and that other person's strength as anglers to work well together. Um, oftentimes, sort of luring fish into the other person, and you can make it sort of a team sport. It's a lot of fun that way. Oh, well, got me fired up. You're going to have to report back uh, and, and put post up some fish pictures at uh, the Jesse Brown's Instagram page as well as the Facebook page so we can all play along. Here on the Carolina Outdoors, we often get to talk about places that we may never go, but it's kind of fun to learn about them and kind of celebrate the adventures of the people that are going there. We had one of our guests in one of the recent episodes. I think it was September. Mm-hmm, it was. Again, you can uh, find these past episodes um, via podcast, Highlights of the Carolina Outdoors. But we learned about a place that he was going called um, Land of the Thunder Dragon by nickname. We're going to find out the report of Scott Wurzbacher's trip to Baton after we take a quick break on the Carolina Outdoors. In the meantime, stay tuned. Wes Lawson, Bill Barty, your host here on the Carolina Outdoors. <laughs> 